0: Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2017. How are you? How you doing today? I'm back, baby. I'm here to talk some NBA basketball. Um, last couple of times I've been on the show, uh, talking b-ball at least. Uh, topic of conversations usually been my Philadelphia 76ers. I'm a big fan. Um, but I wanted to shift to really... Probably the two teams which garner the most attention in the NBA and who are probably the heaviest favorites to go right back to the finals for the third straight year, Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I'm going to start us off with, I think, the biggest news that's hit uh, the NBA so far, which is Kevin Durant's knee injury. So, I got to talk about injuries and how they derail a season because so many times, We can talk about a championship season, we can talk about a team which is guaranteed to win it all, or guaranteed to go to the finals, but yet, you can never predict injuries, and you can never predict how much they are going to affect a team, you can never predict when they're going to happen, how freakish they will be, or what they will do. So, I mean, we could go back... I mean, two years ago, Kevin Love getting his shoulder separated in round one of the playoffs against Kelly Olynyk of the Celtics. We could go back to Steph Curry having an MCL grade one sprain in his knee that he suffered in round one against the Houston Rockets. Or we could go up, you know, listen, we could go back to many, many other instances. One of the bigger ones I want to mention is um, Kevin Dur- uh, Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett in 2009. So in 2008, the Boston Celtics had this Cinderella year. They had the super team, the big three, Ray Allen, Garnett, Pierce. They win it all. The very next year, lots of people will say that this Celtics team in 08-09 was better than the championship team of 07-08, but Kevin Durant... God, I did it again. Kevin Garnett injured his knee right before the All-Star break and was not able to come back to play for the rest of the season, missed all of the playoffs, and that team was bumped. I believe it was in the conference finals against the Orlando Magic, and then Dwight Howard and the Orlando Magic went to the finals and lost to Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. My point is that these injuries are freak things that can happen at any time. Well, now everyone had pretty much anointed the Warriors as pretty much placeholders for the fact that they were just going to walk right into the finals and probably win it all again, even though, you know, listen, they had to overcome the Cavaliers. But with Kevin Durant on their side, I mean, it was hard to imagine that the Warriors weren't going to be putting a beating on just about anybody they dealt with. Well, last night, or uh, two night, last night, Golden State Warriors are on a road trip, they just came off a victory against the Sixers. They go to Washington on the second night of a back-to-back and less than a minute into the game. Some, oh, God, I got to look at the replay. But somebody uh, knocked down Zaza Pachulia, and Pachulia falls down and falls into Kevin Durant's knee and hyperextends it the wrong way. He starts limping. He's clearly not doing well. He goes off the court. Breaking news today. He now has a grade two MCL sprain, which is essentially a partial tear, but not enough to constitute surgery, um, and a bone bruise, which they're saying now he's going to be out for weeks uh, indefinite. Um, there's, there's about six weeks before the playoffs begin, and we're saying that he's now going to be out for at least four weeks, six at the very least. Um, so we're talking about how even if he comes back, Let's say he comes back before the end of the season. There's no reason to think he's going to be 100%. There's no reason to think that, you know, he's not just going to seamlessly step right back into the starting lineup. This is a ripple effect that is affecting everybody, not just the Warriors, but the entire playoff landscape. You can say what you want about how good the Warriors were and are, but the truth is, once Kevin Durant came to the team, you're bringing a player who is just as good, if not better, than Stephen Curry to the Warriors. This is a guy who's better than Draymond Green. This is a guy who's better than Klay Thompson. This is a guy who, you know, listen, this is a former MVP that you're bringing to the team. So consequently, everybody else, I don't want to say they were slacking, but the pressure wasn't on them as much. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond, they all had less minutes. They were all, you know, kind of trying to find a way to integrate Durant as best they could and... Durant uh, has been shouldering a burden on the defensive end as well, so... You're going to see the Warriors kind of shift back into what they were doing last year. You're going to see Klay Thompson and Curry and uh, Draymond turn back into that dominant killer force that they were last year. I think you're going to see numbers go up for all of them. You're going to see Steph Curry's numbers probably start ballooning up to the MVP numbers that you saw over the last couple of seasons, because this year, his numbers have taken a dip to accommodate for Durant. Well, now Durant's got to sit. You're going to see them come right back into the mix. Um... I think from a defensive end, that's where you're going to see more tenacity. You're going to see them really have to, have to scramble. And now, let's go to the next portion of my podcast, which is where I want to talk about how both the Warriors and the Cavaliers have been arming themselves. This is an arms race between the two of them because every team in the league including the Cavaliers and the Warriors, are essentially sitting here saying, how can we beat them? So the Celtics, the Raptors, the Wizards, all these other teams that are at the top of the Eastern Conference are sitting here saying, how can we equip ourselves to defeat the Cavaliers? Same thing with the Western Conference. The Spurs, you know, the the Rockets, all of these teams are sitting here saying, how can we equip ourselves to defeat the Warriors? Well, the Warriors and the Cavs... They know everybody's coming for them. So they're going out and they're shopping for free agents too. And listen, I don't know if it was this case in the 80s or the 70s, but in modern day NBA, towards the end of the season, once you get to that trade deadline after All-Star break, superstars start to get bought out of their contracts, and then they want to go jump on a championship caliber team to try to do that championship run at the end of the season. We're seeing that right now. So number one, Los Angeles Lakers bought out Jose Calderon. Uh, He has now officially agreed to sign with the Golden State Warriors to try to join them in a playoff run, give them a little bit more assistance in the point guard department. Breaking news, though, now that Kevin Durant is going to be out for an extended period of time. Golden State Warriors jumped right back into the free agent market and went and picked up Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes got waived by the Sacramento Kings this year after the Kings moved DeMarcus Cousins. They had to move him. Uh, They had to uh, waive Matt Barnes to, you know, free up some salary and get a roster spot available on their team. But Matt Barnes, free agent. Golden State goes and picks him up. That's a that's going to be a great stopgap until Kevin Durant comes back. This is a defensive presence that you find in Matt Barnes. You know, I don't think they're, they're not going to be relying on Matt Barnes' offensive capabilities. You know, he can still hit an open three, but they're really going to want him for that defensive tenacity. All of that that they're going to be missing with Kevin Durant, you know, uh, healing is something I think they're hoping to get with uh, Matt Barnes. Now, let's also talk about the Cavaliers. Cavaliers just went out there, and uh, they just signed Darren Williams. So two guys from the Dallas Mavericks who are on the free agent market now are pretty much going to the Cavaliers, Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut. They were both on the Mavericks this year. Darren Williams has been on the Mavericks for I think I think about two years now. Um, Mark Cuban completely bought him out of his contract. Darren Williams turned right around and signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Andrew Bogut got moved to the Philadelphia 76ers in the Nerlens Noel deal, a deal I still don't like. Um, I think they probably could have gotten more for Noel, and I think really the, tr- the reason why they made the move was that they didn't want to pay Noel uh, in restricted free agency. Um, either way, Bogut gets moved to the Sixers. He doesn't want to play for the Sixers. He wants to play for a contender. The Sixers bought him out of his contract, and he is now in the process of signing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You want to talk about changing sides. Cavaliers have also been hit with injuries. This is, you know, just like we can say injuries can derail just about anything. Cavaliers are not immune to this either. Kevin Love is dealing with an injury of his own. He's got back issues. Um, He's been out for an indefinite period of time. They're hoping he can come back by the playoffs. Um, uh, Another player that uh, was dealing with uh, J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith has been a big piece of this Cavaliers team and a big piece, a big reason why they won the championship last year. He's another guy who's been injured and, you know, we can all go back to about a month or two ago when the Cavaliers, I think they lost six of eight, and LeBron James started coming out and making some very, very, uh, you know, scathing public statements about the organization not spending enough money, when the truth is, in my opinion, the organization has spent through the nose to accommodate LeBron James. Well, things turned around. They went and got Kyle Korver. Uh, they've now picked up Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut, pretty much all of these guys, are now just kind of smoothing things out, getting them through the regular season, so they can make it to that playoff push, and hopefully have Kevin Love back, hopefully have J.R. Smith back, and then at that point, you know, Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut are just icing on the cake. Um, so both of these teams are trying to position themselves to deal with the adversity that's going to come up because it's going to be a tough go for these teams. It's not going to be an easy ride to the finals like it's been the last two years. And now, it hasn't been... It has certainly isn't... It's never an easy ride to the finals. But Cleveland, it looked like an easy ride last year. With Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love healthy, it didn't really seem like they had much opposition. Now, the Warriors, they had to fight their way to the finals last year. I think the 73 game... The 73-win season really tired them out. I think there was an exhaustion factor there at the end. And... The Curry injury, you know, Curry hurting himself and missing a considerable amount of time in the playoffs last year definitely made that road for the Warriors tougher. And, you know, listen, I'm not, I can't read a crystal ball. I I don't know, but I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe the fact that the Warriors had had a tougher road in the playoffs last year might have been a reason why they had a little less gas in the tank uh, in the finals when they lost to the Cavaliers. You know, just throwing that out there, just throwing that out there you know, the Warriors had to fight their way back from being down 3-1 against uh, Westbrook and Durant and the Thunder in the conference finals last year. Last I checked, uh, Cavaliers didn't have to face any adversity like that last year. Um, The other teams I want to talk about is that with the Warriors hurting, with Kevin Durant missing a considerable amount of time, the door opens for the Spurs. The Spurs are about four games behind them, and again, even without Tim Duncan, in the first year of the post-Tim Duncan era, Tony Parker, Greg Popovich, Manny Ginobili, and really the superstar of the team, Kawhi Leonard, they are very quietly, again, dominating. No one wants to talk about how good the Spurs are. No one wants to talk about how the Spurs are just, oh, you know, once again, they're they're marching their way to another 60-win season where... I mean shit, I would I would sell my body on the street corner for a 60 win season for the Philadelphia 76ers whereas the Spurs can do it with their eyes closed. Well, now the Spurs have an opportunity to try to catch the Warriors for the number 1 seed. I don't know if it's going to happen, but they're definitely making it dangerous. Now, the Houston Rockets are also, you know, they're peeking in there. I don't th- I don't think anybody's going to catch the Warriors in the regular season. But these teams all of a sudden, it becomes a little bit tricky when you start thinking about, uh, you know, the first round of the playoffs. Who's going to be that number eight team in the first round of the playoffs? And who's going to be the number seven team? Because there is a major drop off right now in the Western Conference between the seven and eight seed. The seven seed, if I'm correct, I believe it's going to be right now, it's going to be the Oklahoma City Thunder. So think about that. You've got Russell Westbrook and the Thunder, Mr. Triple Double Every Night, I mean that is going to be a difficult out for whoever, for whoever the number two seed is. The number two seed is going to have to face those guys, whereas the number one seed is probably going to get a little bit more of a cakewalk if they're dealing with Sacramento Kings, Denver Nuggets. I mean, if if you got to face a Denver Nuggets team that finishes below 500, that's going to be a much easier time if you're still missing Kevin Durant than if you're you know going up against the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first round, and the Spurs take the first seed and get to face the the Denver Nuggets. Like, But that first round, if it's the Warriors and the Thunder in round one, that's going to be ugly. That's going to be a little ugly. But there's going to be a lot of movement. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, the Utah, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, and the Thunder, they're all within two games of each other. So there's going to be a lot of movement amongst those teams. But, I mean, one of them is going to draw the worst draw and get you know the Spurs in the first round. Um, either way, it's all going to be dangerous and you've got to be mindful of this. Um, so that's something that's another big reason why these warrior, this Warriors team is arming themselves. Now the Cavaliers, again, same thing with them. They've had some up and downs this season. You know, they brought in Mike Dunleavy. That didn't work. He's the guy they had to flip to get, uh, Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver, I mean, he's been perfect. This is exactly what they wanted on their team. It took them a couple of games to kind of get, you know, get into the swing of things, but he is a deadly, deadly three-point shooter. And I mean, that's all you need. When you've got the whole, when you've got LeBron and Kyrie drawing double teams and just giving guys open looks of, of beyond the arc, I mean, Kyle is a match made in heaven for this team. And this is this is a team, they know Boston is coming for him. They know Washington's coming for him. They know these teams are gearing up. So let's talk a little bit about some of these other teams. You know, New York Knicks waived Brandon Jennings, uh, another poor decision by Phil, signing Brandon Jennings this season, trying to see if he would work out with, uh, you know, Derrick Rose and whatever the hell fucking hodgepodge they have for the point guard position for the Knicks. Clearly didn't work out. They waived him. Washington Wizards went and picked him up. So now you've got, uh, you know, the Wizards are gearing up. They're trying to look for some additional backup at that point guard position because uh, uh, Trey Burke, you know, has really not been working out for the Wizards at the point guard position. And they're trying to add, you know, they're trying to add some depth there. They've got the big men, you know, they got Gortat, they've got Mahinmi. Um, I don't know if they're going to stick, I don't know how long Nicholson's going to, Andrew Nicholson will be around, but with Wall and Beal, this team is dangerous and you've got to watch yourself with them. The Celtics, you see, now that's an interesting matchup because as amazing as Isaiah Thomas has been, you know, he can be, a little bit of a defensive liability due to his size. And, you know, I mean, that's something where I think if you see a Washington-Boston matchup in the playoffs, that's going to be a little ugly for Boston. I think Washington and Boston do sort of match up well with one another. Um, So Yeah, but we're getting to this play. I mean, I don't think the first round for either conference is going to be that meaningful. I think seeds five, six, and seven – uh, and uh, 5, 6, seven, and 8 for both conferences are a little bit of a wash. You know, there's teams that are making some movements. I mean, the biggest team in the Eastern Conference, I think, that has really made a push is Toronto. You know, Toronto went out and got Serge Ibaka. That was a big move. Um, they just went out and got P.J. Tucker um, from the Phoenix Suns. This is a great defensive player, tenacious defense. Ibaka's, I think, going to give him some of that rim protection. And also, you know, listen, Ibaka can shoot too. You know, he can stretch that floor a little bit. And I think you're going to see some you're going to see the minutes dipping for Valanchunas on Toronto. But I think with Masai Ujiri knowing that the truth is he's got to gear up to beat this Cavaliers team because they got all the way to the conference finals last year and they still, you know, they gave Cleveland, they gave Cleveland a scare, but I don't think Cleveland was scared at all. And, you know, if, if, if trotting the same team back out this year is certainly not going to do it. And listen, Toronto getting out of the first round is not a given because they had two straight years where they won their division, had home court, and got bumped by Paul Pierce on the Nets and then Paul Pierce on the Wizards. So it's definitely not a given that you're going to see them getting out of the first round. So all the more reason why Masai is building this team up, trying to you know try to load up right now for a win now mode. Because if they can't get over this Cavaliers hump, then I mean, what the hell's the point of the team? Not to mention you're dealing with a Kyle Lowry issue. Kyle Lowry, I mean, has got this wrist issue, which is going to keep him out indefinitely. Who knows if he'll be back before the playoffs start. And if Kyle Lowry's not playing in time for the playoffs, I mean, we could be talking about a first-round elimination here for the Toronto Raptors. It's just disappointing considering, I think, that GM-wise... They're probably one of the better run teams in the league. I think Masai Ujiri does an excellent job running that team, bringing about personnel, and making trades. I mean, he really got away with murder with this trade with Orlando. Orlando, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I, they, every single trade and acquisition they make, I, I just I disagree with it. That's just my thought on the matter. Um, yeah, so um, playoff picture's shaping up. Uh, This Kevin Durant injury is not to be taken lightly. Um, You're going to see it talked about an awful lot. Everyone is going to be, you know, using a microscope to examine the situation, see his progress. If he comes out for a warm-up before a game, you're going to have tons of people tweeting about it and talking about it and discussing what they think it means. Um, But I think the real thing here is to see how teams like the Rockets, teams like the Spurs, start to see if they can catch the Warriors, and the next time you see these two teams play, see how everything shakes out between the Warriors and the Rockets or the Spurs. I I really am interested to see how the Warriors start to compensate for not having Durant in the lineup. Um, Okay, Uh, now the last thing I want to talk about on today's podcast is actually Rookie of the Year, because... um, the discussion for the last couple of months has really been Joel Embiid or Dario Saric. So uh, news came out today, Embiid has been shut down for the rest of the season. Not a big surprise. The I, It's official, though. I officially hate how the Sixers hand- handle their player injury news. Everything is bullshit, okay? He's day-to-day, oh, he's a couple of weeks, uh, he's done for the season. I mean, that's been everything. You know, they've done that multiple times oh, they go and get an MRI, it looks okay, turns out we were wrong. Oh, uh, you know, it's healing really well, turns out it's not healing at all, and we were just lying last time, but we didn't want to say it that way. You know, and then you've got Brian Colangelo giving information about how, oh, nobody's, you know, we've got some good deals out there, you know, we think something's coming together, and then nothing comes together, and he ends up trading Noel instead of Okafor. I'm, I just, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like it, I don't like it. Pineapples, I don't like it. Um, So, the Sixers... I went off on a Sixers tangent about that. Uh, so, So the point is, Joel Embiid, I think, is the clear favorite for Rookie of the Year. But the reality is, he hasn't played enough. Okay, I think he's appeared in 30 games this season, maybe 31 games. So you're talking about, you know, a third of the season, maybe a little bit more than a third of the season not enough of a sample size. You know, even before he had this meniscus tear and they shut him down for the season, he was still missing back-to-backs. He was still, they was, had him on a minutes restriction. They, you know, they were very, very cautious about how much he was playing. It's just, the guy was so damn good whenever he was on the court, you couldn't ignore how good he was. I mean, half the reason why the Sixers were competitive and started winning games at all was because Embiid was on the floor. As soon as you took him off the floor, the team kind of went back down to the toilet. Um... But the highlight of this is that now Dario Saric, the other Sixers draft pick from that draft, well really not a draft pick, they traded for him. That's who they moved Alfred Payton for. For those of you who don't know the details, Sixers drafted point guard Alfred Payton and traded him to the Orlando Magic in exchange for the rights to Dario Saric. They just had to wait two years while Saric was playing over in Europe. Saric is now here, he's 22 years old, and at the start of the season... I didn't like it. I didn't like his play. I didn't think he had a very good shot. He didn't know where to be on the floor. He, he was an ineffective starter. I mean, I was really disappointed in this guy who was touted so heavily. Well, let me tell you something. He has really, really turned around over the course of the season. He's gone from being a guy who couldn't fit in the starting lineup, who kind of didn't really know where he needed to be, and he was coming off the bench he has evolved. He's found his shot. He knows where he fits in in the offense. He knows where to... Now he's starting to look like the player that we saw over in Europe. He's getting the rebounds. He's he's passing the ball well. He's able to hit shots. Now he's starting to average upwards of 18 to 20 points a game. And he's starting to average upwards of eight or nine rebounds a game. Now, his numbers look like he's the rookie of the year. And as a matter of fact, I think Saric is going to win rookie of the year. This is one of the most exciting parts about the Sixers season is the fact that Saric has slowly evolved into this guy who it's like, yo, he's not pretty good. He's really good. Like, this is a bona fide starter, key piece of their team, who I think could be, you know, like, listen, you start thinking about Saric, you start thinking about Embiid, and now you start talking about Ben Simmons coming back next year, and all of a sudden, you can see the team coming together. I really like what I've seen from Saric. His numbers have certainly been warranting rookie of the year. Um, It's pretty amazing because if you look at this rookie class, uh, it's, it's funny how Saric and Embiid are beating out all the other rookies, and these are two guys who were drafted in 2014. They were drafted in 2014, and Embiid missed two years for injury. Saric missed two years because he was hanging out in Europe. They're both here now, they're both rookies, and they're just dominating. It's The outlook looks very bright for the Sixers, which is something I'm positive about. But I gotta tell you, I think Dario Saric deserves Rookie of the Year. His numbers have proven it. He's he's grown over the course of the year. He, he's been benefiting that team, if anything. Considering all the injury ups and downs that the Sixers have experienced, because with all of these great players they have, they've struggled to make them to figure out how to get them all to play together. If you don't believe me, look at Noel and Okafor and Embiid, and they've struggled to keep them on the floor. If you don't believe me, look at Noel, Okafor, and Embiid, and we and Ben Simmons for that matter, and Jared Bayless for that matter you get these guys who have suffered from these injuries and they just can't find a way to get them all on the floor. Finally, Dario Saric was healthy all year. Dario Saric has played all year. And is, and he's progressed and evolved and gotten better over the course of the year. I'm excited to see what Saric does next year. And you know what? His play this year has absolutely garnered, I think, a Rookie of the Year nomination, if not a win. I'm going to go out there and say yes. I think Embiid, excellent year, just didn't play enough. Saric? I'm sorry. Give me another rookie out there who who was more impressive than him, at least over the last couple of months. Last couple of months, Saric has looked like a friggin' all star. Um, yeah. So uh, those are my thoughts on the matter. Everyone, thank you for listening. Just uh, me coming on, rapid about some NBA. I uh, I really wanted to. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, I'm getting excited for the basketball season. We're starting to get to that playoff push, and um, and you know there's a lot to talk about. Uh, Ever, thank you for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. Subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithfaceJones. Email me with any questions you might have at samssportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. And I want to thank Don Kenyon again for my new Sam sports podcast theme music. I hope you guys have been liking it. Let me know if you have any thoughts on the matter. Um, Really appreciate it. You can uh, find a link uh, uh, to Don Kenyon's Twitter handle and uh, some more of his stuff uh, in the uh, text of this podcast. Um, But I'll be back soon, talk more b-ball, and uh, probably have Shaka back on to talk more off-season NFL stuff. But uh, plenty of sports to talk about, and I certainly like getting on the mic and sharing it with you. So everyone, thanks for listening. I'll be back soon to talk more sports. Bye-bye.